Good morning, and welcome back to another Wednesday morning where we talk about what the Bible says pertaining to finances. Does God want you rich, or does God want you poor? That's the question today. You're going to want to stick around to the end because I think the answer is going to shock you. So I want you to time, or type in the comments for me. What do you think the answer is? You think God wants you rich or you think God wants you poor? And we're going to get into it this morning. Let me say good morning to a couple people. Hello, Amber. Good morning. Good morning, Maxie. Elena. Good morning. <laughs> good morning. Uriel. Byron. Good morning. Emmanuel, good morning. Emmanuel says, rich in heaven. Iron Belt 56, it's rich. Spider-Man. We have the Spider-Man in our comments today. Mason Davis, poor but kind of rich. That's what a lot of Christians think. Hey, Shia, good to see you. Miguel, good to see you. Good morning, everyone. Hey, as you're jumping on, give this video a thumbs up. Share it with somebody. So that people can know the truth behind this question, because this is a, a question that many people get into frantic debates about on social media, in person. There's entire YouTube channels built around this one topic. Brent McFarland said he'll take care of us whether we're rich or poor. That's a great answer as well. Well, we're going to get right into it. The cool thing with God is that whatever's in his word is his will. So if you stick to God's word, then you'll always get what's in his word. It is his will. A lot of people wonder, what's the will of God? Well, God's will is his word. So if you can find it in the word, you can have it. And there's plenty of scriptures that answer this one topic. So we're going to start with why people think God wants you poor first. And we're going to go through those scriptures what the Bible says pertaining to finances having your heart. Because the reality is, I'll just tell you right off the bat, God does not want you poor. If you study when sin entered the world, poverty came with it. When mankind fell into sin, there was a curse that came on mankind. And that curse manifested through sickness, death, and poverty. Somebody type in the comments, sickness, death, and poverty are a part of the curse. When mankind was created, God put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and there was no lack. There was abundance. God said, look as far north, as far south, as far east, as far west as you can. All the trees are yours in abundance to eat and do whatever you will in the garden, except for this one tree. And they happened to touch the one tree, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it brought a curse on mankind. And the curse that came upon mankind manifested through sickness, death, and poverty. So if Jesus has reversed that curse, then that means we have legal rights, according to the Bible, to claim prosperity and give up poverty. Poverty is not my portion. God wants me blessed. But... Let's make sure that we dissect it because the reality is, although God wants you blessed, he has a lot to say about how he doesn't want money to have your heart. Money should never have your heart. Money is simply a tool on this planet that you can use to advance God's kingdom, to supply you, 
to supply your family. The Bible says, my God supplies all of my needs according to his riches and mercy and uh, in his glory in Christ Jesus. So according to the riches that are found in the glory of Jesus Christ, God takes care of my needs. So when God blesses me financially, it's not just for me and my family. It's for the advancement of God's kingdom. Somebody said it this way once. If God can get it through you, God can get it to you. So if God knows that money doesn't have your heart, then he'll put money in your hand. But if he thinks that you'll fall in love with money, he won't bless you to that level. God will only allow you to walk in the limit that you're capable of walking in. So go with me to Matthew chapter 8. We're going to study why people think God wants you poor. And then I'm going to debunk every single one of those reasons and prove to you why God does not want you poor and why it's not wrong to believe that God wants you blessed and that when you're blessed, God will do amazing things with your life. Money gives you influence. In the book of Ecclesiastes, it literally says money answers all problems. Now, it also says don't put your trust in riches. So you don't put your salvation, you don't put the trust and hope of your soul in riches, but money does answer all earthly problems. If you're blessed financially, then you, you become what's called self-sufficient. And God wants you to be that way. I'll show you. So Matthew chapter 8, verse 20, listen to this. These are the reasons why people think God might want you poor. Jesus replied, The foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. People take that scripture and they say, See, Jesus said, Even foxes have holes and even birds have nests. But the Son of Man, anyone that's going to follow Jesus, they won't even have a bed to lay in. Do you really think Jesus spent 33 years of his life sleeping on rocks? If you do, then you have rocks in your brain. Jesus was not saying that when you follow him, you're going to be poor. What he was saying is that you won't have a home or a place to call home. You're going to be on the move. You're going to have to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and constantly be out doing the will of God, not building your own personal, nice pixie dust and, and, and fairy tales type of life. Which again, I'm all for the blessing. But the reality is, is that when you follow Jesus, there is going to be some self-denial. There's going to be some picking up of your cross. I just went through a, a major transition two months ago, moved myself and our whole team picked up and moved from Iowa and moved to Louisiana. When you serve God, you have to be willing to do that. Your, your home can't have your heart. Your cars can't have your heart. The place where you live right now can't have your heart. Jesus said, you even have to hate or love less than me, your parents, your siblings, your spouse, everything in this life must be a level below your love for Jesus Christ and your willing obedience to him. So it's not that you'll never have a home. It just means you can't expect to live a comfortable life like a fox and like a bird that has a nest and has a hole and has a place where it knows it will stay its entire life in that place. You're going to be up, you're going to be on the move, you're going to be serving God. So don't let anybody take that scripture and tell you that God wants you poor from it. That's not what it's saying. Jesus had a home. They asked him in another chapter, Master, where are you staying? And he said, come and see. And it says that they filled the house. There was a crowd that filled the house. 
I don't know about you, but if a crowd filled my house, we're talking 200 people, maybe more. So that's a pretty big sized house. If there was a crowd that filled his house, he did have a house. In fact, he had a house. He had two boats that could fit uh, 12 disciples and potential family members that came with him. Eventually, he moved up to 72 disciples. He had his own personal treasurer. Anyone that has a personal treasurer is not broke. They're not poor. Especially if that treasurer is stealing from them for three years and it doesn't put a dent in their ministry. That's a pretty big financial uh, uh, flow of finances coming into your ministry. All right, I go to another one. Matthew chapter 6. Listen to this. Here's another reason why people might think God does not want you blessed. But it's a lie. I want somebody to type in the comments, God wants me blessed. Hey, Tyreek, good morning. And if you're jumping on this morning, every single Wednesday morning, why are we dropping frames? Only 32 too many. I'm going to punch this camera and it's, no. We're just going to believe God. Pray for my temper, everybody. I notice it's been lagging a little bit too on other videos. That's why I'm curious. Every Wednesday morning, you can join me at 1130. And we talk about what the Bible says about money. Because so many people, they don't want to talk about it. People don't want to talk about it. Or if they do talk about it, they teach you their own opinion. They teach you that God doesn't want you blessed. It's just a bunch of nonsense. So we come on here every Wednesday. <laughs> Mr. Ruru, pray for my temper too, please. I'll pray for you, buddy. We'll, we'll, we'll join hands and pray together. Uh, every Wednesday morning, I come on and I teach you what the Bible says about money. Because you shouldn't be ashamed of it. God, every person that came into covenant with God, he blessed them tremendously in the Bible. It's so openly, if, if I'll put it this way. That's right, Tyreek. That's a good Wealth Wednesdays. I'm not really into the cheesy like rhyme or make the first letter of everything line up. It kind of sounds like your grandma's Christmas cards, but... I'm sure we'll, we could use that sometime. Wealth Wednesday. We do talk about wealth, and it is on Wednesday. Here's the thing. If anybody ever comes and tries to tell you that God doesn't want you blessed, you know that they're a spiritual baby. They're a spiritual fetus. So if you know that they're that spiritually immature, you can just smile. You can just wave. Okay. It's so nice to meet you. And then you just kind of move on. If anybody, anyone that argues about whether or not God wants you financially blessed, I'm telling you, they're at like an eight month old spiritual level. They're still in diapers. So you just got to be patient with them. You just got to love them and you just got to move on. All right, listen to this. I got to wrap this up quick. Matthew 6, 19 and 20. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in nor steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So this is another scripture that a lot of people like to use and say, well, this guy's telling me that I should believe God for financial prosperity. But the Bible says that I shouldn't be storing up my treasures here on this earth, and I should be storing up treasures in heaven. That's great. You're clearly a genius. The Bible says don't store it up. In the sense of putting your heart in it to where you're putting everything that you have behind it. Where you're, store, you're putting all of your trust, all of your love, all of your future legacy in some financial business or some crazy amount of wealth. No. 
It says, don't worry about focusing on getting treasures in earth, although it's not wrong to have treasures on the earth, but put your primary focus, put your heart behind building up treasures in heaven. <clears throat> That's why Jesus said where your heart is, or where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if your heart is set on building up treasures in heaven, you know you have a pure heart. If your heart is tainted and money on this earth has your heart, you know you have a wrong heart. For it is the love of money that is the root of all evil. It's not money. Money is not the root of all evil. It's the love of money. Somebody type in the comments, money is not evil. And for those that are just jumping on, every Wednesday morning we talk about finances. Make sure you give this video a thumbs up and share it with somebody. So your primary focus should be to store your financial wealth in heaven. Get people saved. Do kind works on the earth. Prove your faith by your works, like it says in James. Be a doer of the word. Seek first the kingdom of God and all of its righteousness, and then everything else will be added unto you. But don't think that money is evil. Money is not evil. God created money. The devil did not create money. God created money. It says in Deuteronomy 8, verse 18, It is the Lord your God that has given you the power to create wealth. God is the one who empowers us to become rich, not the devil. The devil empowers his children to become rich, but I'm not a child of the devil. I'm a child of the Most High God. God empowers me to become rich. So an easy way to make sure that money never has your heart is by being a tither and a giver. That's why God instituted the tithe. As long as God can bless you and make sure that you remember where that blessing came from. That's right, Brett. When you take the tithe, the first 10% of all of your finances, and you put it into God's kingdom, you remember that it is the Lord your God that gave you the power to generate wealth, not the devil. That's right, Tyreek. That's a good quote. So when you're a tither and you're a giver... That's how God knows that money doesn't have your heart. But you'll always notice when people complain about tithing and they complain about giving, they're always the one, or the people that complain about prosperity, they're always the ones that don't give tithes and they don't give offerings. Because really, they're the ones with the spirit of mammon. Yeah, that's right. I, I remember listening to that quote, Tyreek. Jesse Duplantis said, if you hate prosperity, then you can't go to heaven. Because all heaven is is prosperity. The gate is made out of one pearl. The streets are made of gold. There's rubies in the rocks like you've never seen before. Every crown that will be cast at the foot of Jesus is made out of pure gold. It's got diamonds and jewels. There's mansions everywhere. Glory to God. That's right, Brett. Brett said, my finances changed when I started tithing. Me too. So if you hate prosperity, you're going to have a real tough time going to hell <laughs> You're not going to like heaven. We'll just put it that way. All right, one more. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. And then I'm going to show you what the Bible says about being blessed financially. How you don't have to listen to every loser that tells you that you got to be broke because you don't. God doesn't want you broke. God wants you blessed. 
That's right. Brian Salam said, more probability that a camel passes through an eye of a needle than a rich person enters his kingdom. Another great one. I should have read that. I think that's Matthew chapter 19, verse 24. So that scripture, I'm glad that he typed that one because that's another one that people that don't read their Bible like to quote. So when you quote that one, what people don't understand is that there is a hole in the gates in Israel. They call that hole the eye of the needle. So what would happen is every single night, the gates would close so that nobody would come in and try to ransack the city. And any traders that were going to come into the church, or I'm sorry, into the town, they'd have to come in through what was called the eye of the needle. And they had to make their camel get on its hands and its knees and crawl through the eye of the needle. And they had to take all the baggage off. And it was way harder than it ever was for them to just go right through the gate. So what that scripture is saying is that it's not impossible for a rich person to go to heaven. But when people are so abundantly blessed and they fall in love with their blessing, it's harder for them to get through into heaven than it is for the camel to get through the eye of the needle. Because, I mean, think about it logically. Like, no one would say that an entire camel could fit through the eye of a needle. You realize, like, if you believe that, you're literally mentally unstable. That's not what Jesus was saying. He was referring to what they knew at the time as the eye of the needle in the gate. So when you have all of this baggage on you, when you have all this wealth and all this riches and you put your trust in earthly riches, that's when it makes it hard for you to get into heaven. But if you'll say, huh, these are just things that God's blessed me with and he's blessed me in order to be a blessing, it makes it easy for you. You just move on with your life. When you go to heaven, you just forget all things behind because the reality is, if you think prosperity is nice on the earth, wait till you get to heaven. Hallelujah. It's going to be nice. Your mansion will be 10 times the size of Trump's. Glory to God. All right. This is why God wants you rich and not poor. If your heart is right about money. Number one reason. The Garden of Eden. If God wanted mankind poor, he would have made mankind poor. But mankind had no sickness, they had no disease, there was no poverty, there was no death in the Garden of Eden. Those things came after mankind sinned. Number two reason why God wants you rich. Genesis chapter 12, you can go there with me. I'm going to scoot right through these, you can study these on your own. I'm just going to give you the main keys. And I'm going to pray that God blesses you. Glory to God. <clears throat> People need to know this. When God blesses you financially, he gives you influence in the earth. If you want influence in the earth, I want you to put an emoji hand clap in the comments for me. I want to know if you want influence in the earth. <clears throat> That's right, Daniel. The book of Proverbs talks a lot about money. The book of Proverbs tells you how to become rich, and we're going to cover that very soon. Genesis 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your family, and your father's house to the land I will show you. I will make you famous. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless them who bless you and curse him who curses you. And through you all the families on the earth shall be blessed. Glory to God. So God said, 
Not only do I love you and I want to bless you, but there's a reason for the blessing. The blessing of finances is to make you blessed to be a blessing. Somebody type in the comments, I'm blessed to be a blessing. God loves you and he'll bless you just to bless you. But he also wants to bless you so abundantly, like it says in Psalm 23, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Your cup of blessings overflow when God's blessing comes upon your life, when God's oil comes upon your head, when his hand moves strong on your life. He blesses you so that you have overflow. And when you have overflow, you're blessed to be a blessing. I don't know about you. I want to be blessed to be a blessing. I want to be blessed myself, but I want to be so blessed. And I am. I will be. I choose to be so blessed that I'm a blessing to any person that crosses my path. Amen. I believe after this live stream, you will be so blessed abundantly that every person that comes across your path, your overflow will touch their life in Jesus' name. Next, David and Solomon. David was the richest man on the planet. And then he gave birth to Solomon. And God blessed Solomon and made him the richest person to ever exist. Ever exist. I think his net worth was something around $2.4 trillion. Maybe even more. Hey, we're at 90 live watchers. If you're jumping on, we're talking about what the Bible says about being rich or being poor. Give this video a thumbs up and share it with somebody. And stick around to the end. Glory to God. So remember, God will only make people rich that want to have an influence and an impact on the earth. So if you want to do big things for God, God will bless you abundantly. He'll bless you so much you won't even know what to do with it. You won't even be able to spend it all. That's how God works. So David, well, let, let's just go all the way through him. Abraham was the richest man at his time. Job was even written before Abraham. Job is the oldest book, I believe, chronologically in the Bible. So Job was the richest man, and a lot of people use Job. Well, yeah, but Job had everything stolen from him. His family was killed and all that stuff. Yes, it didn't have to be that way. He didn't have the same covenant that we have now. The devil can't touch us the way that he touched Job. And if you study at the end of Job, Job was given twice as much as was taken from him. Twice as much as was taken from him. Hallelujah. So I don't know about you, but I, I'm going to receive twice as much as whatever the devil's taken from me. Job, Abraham was the richest man in his time. Uh, Moses left Egypt rich with everybody else. David richest man in his time, and then his son, the richest man ever to walk the earth, Solomon, and on down the line. God wants you blessed. Every person that had a covenant with God, they became rich. All right, let's go through a couple more scriptures here. Proverbs chapter 10. Verse 22, the blessing of the Lord makes rich and he adds no sorrow with it. That word rich in the original language means rich. 
The blessing of the Lord makes rich. It actually means spiritually rich, rich in your joy and your peace and your health, and rich in your finances. And he adds, no sorrow with it. Psalm chapter 112. Let's go there. Praise the Lord. Verse 1. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. His offspring shall be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Verse 3. Psalm 112 verse 3. Could somebody type that in the comments for me? Psalm 112 verse 3. Listen to this. Wealth and riches. Glory to God. You thought just riches were great. You thought ju just wealth was great. It says wealth and riches. Woo! Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Glory to God. Good morning, John. Psalm 112 verse 3 says, Wealth and riches are in the house of a righteous man. When you live righteous, the Bible says, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.21 Wealth and riches are in my house. I can thank God for them. Praise the Lord. It says in the book of Proverbs, A righteous man saves up an inheritance for his children's children. Meaning you have to be so abundantly blessed that even your grandkids can live off of the wealth that you leave behind. That's what a righteous man does. I'm into generational wealth. I'm not into just personal wealth anymore. I want so much wealth in my life. I choose so much wealth in my life. My grandkids will live off of the wealth that God gives to me. Glory to God. All right. I'm going to read you two more scriptures, and then I'm going to pray that God makes you rich. That'll irritate some people. Psalm 35, verse 27. Psalm 35, verse 27. If you've ever wondered if God wants you rich, this will answer it for you. These next two verses I share with you will answer it. Psalm 35, verse 27. May those who favor my righteous cause shout for joy and be glad. May they say continually, The Lord be magnified, who delights in the prosperity of his servant. I want you to type this in the comments. God delights in my prosperity. Good morning, Colton. God delights in my prosperity. If you've ever wondered, does God want me blessed? Does God want me rich or does God want me poor? It says right here in Psalm 35 verse 27, God delights in your prosperity. Alex said, wealth does not always mean money. That's a great point. But these specific words, if you look them up in the Greek and the Hebrew, they specifically are talking about money. 3 John 1, 2. 3 John chapter 1, verse 2. This is good. We're getting there. I don't know about you, but it makes me happy. It's much better than God does not delight in my prosperity. Imagine serving a God that's like, nah, I want you eating dirt your whole life. That's the devil. 
3 John 1, 2. Imagine if... if <laughs> uh, I'm not even going to get into it. I'm running out of time here. I got I to gotta finish up. That's right, Adam. Giving your wealth to the poor does make you richer. Listen to this. 3 John chapter 1, verse 2. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health even as your soul is well. Let me read the King James Version. That's right, Colton. Listen, listen to this. 3 John chapter 1, verse 2 in the King James Version. Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Even as your soul prospers. So God's will is that you prosper and you be in good health. A lot of people say... He believes in that health and wealth gospel. Well, so did Paul. If you got a problem with me, you got a problem with Paul. You can take it up with him when you get to heaven. He'll slap you around, I'm sure. 3 John chapter 1, verse 2 says, I wish above all things that you would be in good health and prosper even as your soul prospers. Glory to God. I'm prospering. You don't have to if you don't want to. I'm a prosper. I choose prosperity. God loves me. God loves you. My pastor says to acute. Hey, Kelly, good morning. My God says to say that God wants you broke is to accuse God of child abuse. God doesn't abuse his children. What happens if I, I grew up in, in a house that was barely scraped by? I saw friends. I, I saw people. I know stories of people. They grew up how I grew up, who because their parents were poor, child protective services came and took their kids away. They called it neglect. It's child abuse. To be so poor that you can't take care of your kids is child abuse. So to say God won't take care of you and God won't bless you is to accuse God of child abuse. That's right, Kiernan. So God wants you blessed. All right, I'll read one more to you, just so you really believe me. I could teach. I'm trying, I've been trying to keep this around 30 minutes, but obviously we've already hit the 30-minute mark. You'll be all right. But I wanted to keep it around 30 minutes, but there's just so much about how much God wants to bless you. It's, you, you can't just spend 30 minutes on it. It's, there's so much. God, if I didn't tell you what God says about you and how much God wants you blessed, I'd be doing you a disservice. Because God wants you so abundantly blessed. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. Listen to this. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that through his poverty you might be rich. Thank you, Cheryl, for your giving today. That's what happens. You start teaching people what the Bible says about how much God wants them blessed, and they just give. They become generous people. That's what happens to me. Every time when people start teaching me about how much God wants me blessed, I'm just like, praise the Lord. Because Jesus said it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Jesus became poor. Now I want you to understand, it's not saying Jesus was poor in our eyes, but he had all, he gave up deity. He gave up streets of gold to come to streets of dirt. 
That is giving up what he would consider his wealth and becoming poor for our sakes. But what does it say? For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. That's a literal Bible verse. Like, it's as Bible as John 3.16. Through his poverty, I can become rich. Jesus took the curse on the cross. He paid the price so that I don't have to struggle through life and believe God for groceries and believe God for rent and believe God for my doctor bills. But that I could reign as a king in life by Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Somebody type in the comments, God wants me blessed. He doesn't want you poor. After learning this today, I believe you'll never be broke another day in your life. I believe today's the smallest you're ever going to be. You're going to move up higher. God's going to anoint you to give more than you've ever given. You're going to have promotions that just start happening in your life. The direction you were going up until this point is now changed and course corrected. God has now put you on a path starting today to prosper financially in Jesus' mighty name. If you receive it, type in the comments, I receive it. And I want to pray for you. Make sure you give this video a thumbs up and share it with somebody so they know the truth. Hallelujah. You know, I remember when I first got a hold of this and I got revelation of it. It says in Hosea chapter 4 verse 6, My people destroy themselves due to a lack of knowledge, a lack of revelation. When people don't know what the Bible says about money, it destroys them. They become destroyed. They become poor. When you get revelation on something, it is impossible for it not to manifest in your life. When you truly have revelation on it, and you believe it, and you speak it, and you're walking in it, it's impossible for it not to manifest in your life. When I first got revelation on this, it changed everything. It changed everything for me. And I'm very thankful. I'm thankful that Jesus became poor that I might become rich. Glory to God. And I became a major giver. I started giving, giving, giving. Hallelujah. I feel an anointing on this. I want to read this to you. I'm going to read you one more scripture because I feel the anointing on this. God wants you to hear this today. This is going to set people free right now. Listen to this. When you get revelation that God wants you blessed, and He wants you blessed to be a blessing, this is what happens in your life. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 6. This I say, he who sows sparingly, he who sows sparingly. Oh, look at that. Real quick, we got a testimony from John Stafford. John Stafford just said, I have my first Airbnb partnership with a good friend. Amen. John sent in a seed a couple weeks ago, putting a demand on God to bless his business. And now God is blessing his business. John, that business is going to multiply quickly in Jesus' name. It is going to multiply quickly. Congrats, brother. I'm proud of you. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. He who sows sparingly, meaning that they give a little bit. They're not generous, but they give a little bit because they have to. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully 
will also reap bountifully. I want to reap bountifully. I choose to reap bountifully. Verse 7. Let every man give according to the purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or out of necessity or pressure. For God loves a cheerful giver. Type this in the comments. God loves a cheerful giver. God doesn't like someone that gives just because it it seems like the right thing to do. God wants your heart to be overflowing with joy when you give. He likes a cheerful giver. He wants somebody that wants to be so blessed that they can just take their money and bless everybody that comes across their, their path. Verse 8, God is able, when you live that way, it says God is able to do these things. Listen to this. Make all grace abound towards you. So that you always having enough of everything may abound to every good work. So it says when you're a joyful giver, when you take your finances and you give it to the advancement of God's kingdom, God blesses you so abundantly that he makes all grace abound towards you and you will never lack. I prophesy this in Jesus' name. You will never lack from today going forward, not another day in your life. Your generosity will create a platform for you to stand on and you will never lack. For it is written, He has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness remains forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and supplies bread for your food will also multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. So you will be enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which makes us give thanks to God. It says that when you give financially abundantly to the kingdom of God, God blesses you abundantly. He increases you abundantly. A lot of people don't like to talk about this. I like to talk about this. I want to be blessed. I choose to be blessed. I choose to increase. I choose not to be broke. I choose not to be poor. All right, this is the last thing I'm going to have you type in the comments. Type, I will never be broke another day of my life. I will never be broke another day of my life. God's going to bless you abundantly to be a blessing in this earth. Hallelujah. Well, I believe you got something from this today. I believe people got revelation. I believe you won't leave this video the same way that you came. In Jesus' name, if you stuck around this long, that means you you love the word of God and you've received. Which I'm very blessed to hear. Good morning, Zachary. I want to give you an opportunity to give today and to act on what we just learned together. The Bible says a man that sows abundantly reaps abundantly. Jesus said it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. You're welcome, Israel. Luke 6.38 says, As a man gives, it is given back unto him. Good measure, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Men give liberally into my bosom. So if you've been blessed by this message, I want to give you an opportunity to act on it. Pray and ask the Lord if He would have you give today. The different ways that you can partner with us financially are through Cash App at Dollar Sign Revival Way. 
Venmo at Revival Way, PayPal at Revival Way, or you can give on our website, which is quickly becoming a fan favorite, RevivalWay.com, and click Partner Financially today. We're currently feeding 1,500 kids every single month in other countries. We started feeding 30 kids a month, and two years later, we're up to 1,500 kids a month. Isn't that amazing? And we're just going to keep going, keep growing, keep feeding more and more. So you can help us, and we thank you for helping us. These are the different ways you can give on the screen. We also have 11 other ministries that we partner with each and every month. And as you can see on social media, we're reaching millions and millions of people each and every month. So you can help us. When you give financially to the advancement of God's kingdom, not only are you blessed and God blesses you financially, but it helps us. Every dollar makes a difference. So we thank you. I'll tell you a quick story and then I'm going to pray for you. So stay to the end. There was a woman a couple of weeks ago. She sent $4 into the ministry. She sent $4 into the ministry. And I looked at it and I was like, well, praise the Lord. Thank you for your giving. We're thankful for every dollar that comes in. But I didn't think twice about it. I just said, praise God. And she sent me a message a few days later. <clears throat> and it was on Sunday. It was Sunday night. She said, Evangelist Talon, I sent in $4 to your ministry the other day. And I was too ashamed to do it at first. But I felt the Lord tell me to give it because it was the only $4 that I had. She said, I took that $4 and I sent it to your ministry and I was believing God for a miracle. And that night at church, a woman came up to me and handed me $400 in cash and said, the Lord told her to give it to me. See, you might have a little bit in your hand right now and God wants to get you a financial miracle. God wants to take what's in your hand because it's not big enough to meet your need and he wants to turn it into a seed. So that woman's $4 donation, that $4 seed multiplied into $400. That same way, God will turn $100 into $10,000. God turned, there was a time I gave $500 and God turned it into $12,000 in one week. God will turn $1,000 into $100,000. It's very real. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, a man reaps. So we like to give you time on Wednesday mornings to give to the advancement of God's kingdom. If you feel led and you need a financial miracle, this is how you get it. And I'm going to pray for you. So those of you that are giving right now, even if you're watching this after it's already posted, there's no time in the spirit. You can still act on your faith now. <clears throat> I remember there was a time a couple years ago that somebody was teaching on this, Evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth, and I was washing windows at my old job. And uh, I didn't have much money in the bank. And I was listening to his podcast. This was after it was already posted. It wasn't live, but there's no time in the spirit. And he preached the same thing. I took a $100 seed and I sowed it into his ministry. And I said, God, I want this $100 seed to give me access to this man of God so that I can ask him questions, so that he'll be my friend and he'll be a mentor to me. That same week, I ended up on a Zoom call with his entire team. And now I know all of them personally off of a $100 seed. I think that's the first time I've ever told that story. So there's no, there's no time in the spirit. That was on a podcast that he had recorded two years prior. So even if you're watching this right now, after it's already been posted, act on it. God will open doors for you. All right, let me pray for you.
Father, in Jesus' mighty name, every person under the sound of my voice right now that is given to the ministry and is believing for a financial miracle, I join my faith with them. I touch an agreement now. Angels, go. Ministering spirits, cause the word to work. Cause the money to come. Satan, take your hands off their money. Release their harvest now. And we thank you, Lord, for a major harvest. We thank you that it is you that empowers us to generate wealth. And we worship you with our finances in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Well, I love you. I'm very thankful for you. And if you thought today was a good teaching, do not miss tomorrow. Tomorrow morning, every Thursday morning, we do a long teaching where I teach you deep things out of the Word of God. You're going to want to join me tomorrow morning, Thursday morning, 11.30 a.m. I love you. I pray God's major blessing over your life to multiply abundantly. In Jesus' name, later.